Good morning, everyone. Welcome. We're glad that you're here. It's good to share this time of worship with you and fellowship with you, and we welcome everyone today. We welcome our guests today, especially you're very important to us. We're glad that you are here and uh, hope that you'll feel a part of our family in a very special way today. Uh, Let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask if you wouldn't mind taking those and filling them out so we could have a record of your attendance with us. Just put your name and address and phone number, whatever information you feel comfortable giving to us. So uh, we would appreciate that. And especially if you would like to receive our email newsletter, put your email address on there. That's a great opportunity to keep up with the activities going on at Community Baptist Church. A few of those uh, opportunities I'd like to call to your attention uh, now. Uh, First of all, your your bulletin indicates we'll be having a worship team meeting today. We will not be having that today. That will be canceled. So if you're part of the worship team, uh, we will not be meeting this afternoon. However, we will be having an open gym tonight. So if you'd like to come and play some basketball or volleyball or whatever we're doing tonight, uh, uh, just come and have a good time. And uh, where's Sue Berry? Let's see. Sue, come up here. We, we're, we are reviving our Joy Lunch group. Um, thanks for dressing up for us today. <laughs> After I told you I wanted to make an announcement, I thought, I'm not sure if this was a good idea to be dressed in black and talk about the senior group of the church. So, <laughs> 
But as you all know, I do a lot of history things, and I have been at the Battle of Sacramento this weekend. And we, I have to tell you this real, real quick. We did a memorial service. We always do this on Sunday morning for Molly Moorhead, the heroine of the battle, and to the fallen soldiers. And it is the one event in 23 years that has not been rained out. Now, on a little hill in Sacramento this morning, we all gathered for the service, and it started sprinkling. And I said, we've got to hurry. We've got to keep our record. So <laughs> hurry in the soldiers, hurry in Robert E. Lee. I'm not sure how often that has happened in history. But we got started, and we got to the soldiers' tribute. And I thought, oh, please let us get through this. Please, dear Lord, let us get through this. Robert E. Lee does the, pro, uh, the service to the fallen soldiers and follows with a prayer. And while he was praying, the sun came out. So what a wonderful tribute to our fallen soldiers. I just want to say a few quick words. It has been my fear after I said that I would start uh, the program again for the, the seniors, which I don't like that word. Um, I, my fear is that I will be the only one here tomorrow. Please don't let that happen. <laughs> Many years ago, when I was growing up in a little church in McLean County, we had a very active youth group. And when I would go to an event, my mother would sit home and say, I wish we had a program like that for the adults in the church. So I'm kind of doing this in her honor. And uh, I just retired in November. And my motto is, life is an adventure. Don't sit on the sidelines. And I, as a social worker, as my profession, I don't really care for labels. So older, old, ancient, all those words that has to do with seniors, I don't care for. I've tried to think of another word, and driving from Sacramento here this morning, I thought, what's another word for senior? It came to me, upperclassmen. Think about it. Think about it. When you were an upperclassman senior in high school, you walked proud, you took your, you know, stuck your chest out, you flirted with the girls, you flirted with the guys, you had fun, and you had the world by the tail. So I don't know if that will be our new name, but we want to get away from the connotation of being older. We have a lot to offer. We have a lot to do. And like I said, there's a lot of places to go, people to meet, and things to see. So we've got a lot of plans for this group, so please come out. And don't let me be the only one here tomorrow. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Sue. Uh, I don't think you'll be the only one. I'll be here. <laughs> and and I, okay, you won't wear black. Okay, we we do invite everyone to that uh, to that tomorrow. We're going to have a potluck lunch, and so come and enjoy this time of fellowship. I have to be careful how I announce this. A couple of weeks ago on our Wednesday night program, I, would, I was announcing it, bring it, bringing it to people's attention, and I said something about, if you're interested in adult fellowship, and they took it the wrong way. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, if you're interested in fellowship and you happen to be an adult, then, then come tomorrow at noon and we'll share this time together. Uh, there's no age limit, uh, young or old. Uh, also, speaking of young and old, uh, going to our young, we're gearing up for Vacation Bible School. That's June the 5th through the 8th. Uh, we collaborate with three other churches, First Christian, St. Paul's Episcopal, and the Presbyterian Church here in Henderson. We move it around to different places each year, and this year it will be at First Christian Church. 
so we're looking for volunteers for that. Of course, we invite all of our children to be a part of that. And I think there's a list back on the bulletin board here of some items that we need. And so if you could uh, sign up to bring some of those items, uh, we will need those by June the 4th. So if you do that, we appreciate it. One other thing before we move on. This is a very special weekend uh, for some of our young people um, because Friday three of our members passed a significant milestone in their lives. Um, I'm trying to find Kirk Knight and Jake Dunham and Gabby Grass. Um, they graduated from high school on Friday night. And we just want to say to you that we are so proud of you and we want to honor you at this special time of your lives. And uh, so hit it, Rudy. <laughs> It's only for a moment you were mine to hold The plans that heaven has for you will all too soon unfold So many different prayers I'll pray for all that you might do But most of all I want to know you're walking in the truth and if I never told you, I want you to know that as I watch you grow, I pray that God would fill your heart with dreams and that faith gives you the courage to dare.
very nice. Thank you, Rudy, for putting that together for us. And if our graduates can stand up, just just for a moment, I'm going to embarrass them just a second. Just let's just let's just applaud for that. We are so proud of you. We are so proud of you and look forward to great things in your lives. Uh, now let me invite everybody else to stand up and let's just shake each other's hand around you and just share a moment of, of the love of Christ with one another.
Let us pray together. Oh God, we come to you this Lord's Day with great gratitude, thanksgiving, and praise. We worship you this day as a response to your outpouring of love and blessings upon us for the food that we eat, for the warmth of our homes, for the love of our families, and the joy of gathering again in your name. We can only begin to express a fraction of the appreciation that we feel. As we have been so richly blessed, we pray that we may also strive to pass that blessing on to others. May your generosity towards us serve as an example for our lives as we give generously to those who stand in need of our hospitality and our love. By the example set for us by our Lord Jesus, we pray that you would make us aware of the breadth of what it really means to love others as you have loved us so that the world may one day truly become a reflection of your self-giving love. We pray that the day when poverty and prejudice and violence and war will be replaced by generosity and tolerance and nonviolence and peace. We pray that each of us may come to know your true sense of shalom as you rule our world with justice and righteousness and abiding love. Watch over those who are in the hospital, those who are in prison, those who are struggling with issues that are too deep for words. We pray for your loving spirit to surround them and nourish them where they are. We ask for your healing touch for those who are struggling with illness and with the grief of loss. May we all feel the presence of your spirit here today. We are listening for your voice this morning, O God. Speak to us. Give us listening ears and moving feet as we give our lives over to you and commit ourselves to follow in your ways always. Amen.
Gracious and loving God, we thank you for loving us and blessing us, even though we are oft undeserving. Give us the grace and the mind to recognize the needs of those around us. Give us the heart to act, to be your light and your presence, to meet those needs. As we give of ourselves, Lord, may we give freely and cheerfully. And we ask your blessing on every effort made. These things we pray in the precious name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
today's scripture is John 14:15 through 21. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, because he abides with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. They who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me, and those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Oops. Um, we have Heather so graciously allowed me to switch songs on her at the last minute. So instead of How Great Thou Art, we're going to do a version um, of Rock of Ages. Hope you hope you enjoy it. Draw the 
beautiful thank you John thank you so much um, I, I don't know how we haven't crossed paths <laughs> this time I just met John just a few minutes ago but I'm I tell you what I am so impressed I heard your your reputation preceded you and you fulfilled it so thank you so much for sharing your gifts with us today um, the former president of, of my alma mater Columbia Theological Seminary Dr. Stephen Hayner told a beautiful story about a young teacher that he met several years ago in Uganda. Her name was Christine Nakalema. Christine grew up in a rural village of Bokika, and when she was five years old, her sister Harriet was seven years old, and her little brother was four years old. Both of their parents died within three months of each other from AIDS. The three siblings lived for nearly two years, all by themselves, all on their own. They had no parents. The only food that they had was what they could scavenge from the fertile Ugandan countryside, and there was no one there to care for them. They often had to huddle together in one corner of their mud hut because the roof could not hold out the rain. Why wasn't there anyone there to care for them? Well, it was because most of the adults in that area had also died of AIDS. And the lives of these three children, during this time in their life, the lives of these three children just exuded a desperation that you and I can never even imagine. But eventually they were found by a local priest who was helping World Vision, an international relief organization, to make a census of orphaned children in that area. And about this time, something at, uh, which at the time seemed insignificant happened far away in Australia. Because you see, there was a young teacher there named Julie Ann De Batista. And she saw a World Vision ad on the television and decided that she would like to to use a little of her salary every month to sponsor a child in need. And it was a small step of faith for Julianne, but it would have huge results. You see, World Vision is one of those organizations that matches the, the donors with particular children. And Julianne was matched with Christine Nakalema in Uganda. And with the help of donors like Julianne, World Vision built those three children a new home. They ensured that they had enough food to eat. They ensured that they had enough clothing and proper clothing. They paid for their school fees. And when Christina's brother got sick, he got medical attention, though later on he tragically died. The two surviving girls became a part of a local church there where some older children and another priest helped them along, and, and they began to take, a, take conscious steps towards faith. <clears throat> Meanwhile, Julianne 
far off in Australia, continued to pray for Christine and, and to sponsor her throughout her high school years. And, and then when, when asked if she would continue to sponsor Christine, Julianne helped Christine to go to teacher's college because she was a very gifted young woman. When Dr. Hayner met Christine, she and her sister Harriet had been teaching for several years in the school in, in Bokika, where she grew up. And she is now educating a whole new generation of children. She's using the gifts that she has been given to share with those in need in her own town. And she says that if it were not for God's love, if it were not for our church and world vision, I would be dead. She said if I had survived childhood, I would, would have probably probably been forced into prostitution as a teenager only to die of AIDS before I was 20 years old. Instead, she is now changing history in her little village, one step of faith, one small child at a time. Julianne De Batista, who could only give a small amount from her salary each month to help these girls, could never have imagined what her very small steps of faith would one day accomplish for hundreds and hundreds of children under the tutelage of Christine and Harriet. Now, this is not an advertisement for World Vision. Uh, there are many, it's a great organization, and there are many fine Christian relief organizations at work all around the world. It's simply a reminder to each of us that the smallest gifts that we can offer can be used by Christ in magnificent ways. The setting for our lesson for today is the Last Supper that Jesus had with his disciples. Jesus was preparing his disciples for his betrayal and his crucifixion, and the events that are coming down the road will, will be terribly traumatic for these disciples. But he wants them to know that he will not leave them alone. If you love me, he says, my commandment, keep my commandments. And then he says, and I will ask the Father, and my Father will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept this Spirit because it neither sees the Spirit nor knows the Spirit, but you know my Spirit. For my spirit lives with you and will be with you always. Then he makes a very powerful promise to his followers. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. What beautiful words of hope those are. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. You know, when I think of orphans, I think of children like Christine and her young brother and sister in Uganda, all under the age of eight, living in a mud hut, huddled together with no one there to care for them. But somebody did care for them, didn't they? A young teacher in Australia named Julianne, and that made all the difference in the world for this young family. And our lesson for today tells us that we do not need to live, to live as orphans do. There's someone there who cares for us.
Now think about that for a moment. What could be more traumatic for any human being than to be orphaned at a young age? What could be more tragic than to be deprived of the love of a parent as a small child? But of course, if you, if you Google famous orphans, for example, you will find that there are some very fine people who have found themselves in, in exactly that position. People from many different fields that have been able to accomplish tremendous things with their lives in spite of their misfortune. You'll read about people like Eleanor Roosevelt. Roosevelt's mother, Anna Rebecca Hall, died from diphtheria in 1892. And a a year later, when Eleanor was only nine years old, her father, Elliot, also died from that same disease. Eleanor was raised by her grandmother, thank goodness. And so maybe this was what gave Eleanor that great compassion that she had for people who were suffering all over the world and as she became America's first lady as well as in her service as a, as a diplomat and author and humanitarian. Some other remarkable people were orphaned. Maybe not by death of their parents, but, but because of a breakup of a family, which was, resulted in them having to be put up for adoption. It's people like Steve Jobs, Nelson Mandela, John Lennon, President Andrew Jackson, many, many others. Many great people have found themselves orphaned because of one reason or, or another. But I want to say to you, all of you this morning, is that there, there are those times in all of our lives when all of us may feel like we're orphans. You ever felt like that? You ever felt that there are those times in our lives when all of us feel helpless, alone, forsaken? Maybe someone close to us has been taken from us, or perhaps we are, we're confronted with our own sense of mortality. Or for some reason we may experience an intense physical or psychological pain in our lives. And at times like this, we may even feel that God has forsaken us. And that's not really all that unusual. Remember, even Jesus cried out from the cross, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Even Christ felt orphaned at that moment in his life. And it happens to all of us. And unfortunately, some people never recover from that experience of abandonment. Some of you may remember the name Tom Sutherland. Tom was one of the people held hostage in Lebanon by terrorists for six and a half years. And according to one source, Sutherland was held in 26 different locations during that time. Some of his cells were cold, dark, underground holes, basically, that were about six by six. After 18 months of captivity, Sutherland was put into solitary confinement, and that too was an, an underground cell. He couldn't see the light of day, and he became so discouraged that he tried to commit suicide three different times by pulling a plastic bag over his head. But each time he would think about his wife and his three daughters and he couldn't go through with it. Tom was a Christian when he was taken captive. 
He was even an elder in his home, home church. But after that experience in Lebanon, he no longer believes in God. When asked why, he would answer, I prayed so many times and I prayed so hard, but nothing happened. And unfortunately, that happens sometimes, doesn't it? That's the reality of life. And some people never quite recover from their dark night of the soul. They sense a, that sense of abandonment simply overwhelms them and they never get over that. And all we can do is pray for them and be there for them. Pastor Bass Mitchell tells about working in his first job at a grocery store in West Virginia. He says that he, he started there as a bag boy, but he soon was promoted to stock, stock boy. And he said that trucks would bring in hundreds of boxes of food every week, and he had to unpack the boxes and put the food up on the shelves. However, almost every week they would open up these boxes and, and find that, that some of the cans and some of the cartons were, were damaged. Some of them had lost their labels. They had dents in them. They were crushed. And some of them were so badly damaged that some of the contents had even spilled out. And so their manager told them to not put those cans and cartons up on the shelves because nobody would buy them. And so they would place them in a large basket at the front of the store. And on that basket, they would hang a sign that said, Damaged goods, cheap. But not many people would buy them. Most just ignored them. They usually ended up sending them back to the manufacturers. But Mitchell says that it seems to me that a lot of people feel like this. Damaged goods. Whatever the reason, things that they have done or maybe things that life has done to them or things that are beyond their control, whatever it is, it has made them to feel like they are damaged goods. Bent out of shape. Crushed of little value to themselves or to anyone else. To use Jesus' metaphor, they feel like orphans. They feel like no one cares. That no one is there for them. But of course, that is not true, is it? It is not true. Because someone does care. God cares. And God does not want any of God's children to feel like orphans. Some of you may be aware of the story of a man who allowed God to help him overcome his feelings of abandonment. His name was James Cash Penny, better known by his initials, J.C. Penny. At one time, J.C. Penny was one of America's most successful entrepreneurs, he made more than one fortune in his lifetime, but Penny also experienced more than his share of heartache and failures along the way. In 1898, Penny went to work for Guy Johnson and Thomas Callahan, who operated some small dry goods stores called the Golden Rule Stores. And because of his tremendous work ethic, his high morals, his, his standards of, of ethics, he succeed, Penny succeeded in his work to, 
to such a point that eventually he bought out Johnson and Callahan and renamed this chain of stores. But then in 1910, Penny's wife died, which devastated him. At a friend's suggestion, Penny turned to philanthropy as a way to deal with his his pain and his grief. And then in 1916, he met his second wife. But eight years later, she also died suddenly. So Penny married a third time, and he poured his, his life into his work. And by 1929, he accumulated a net worth of over $40 million. And that was back in the day when $40 million was a lot of money. Like it is now. But, <laughs> but back in those days, wow. <laughs> but then the Depression hit. Totally wiped him out. Emotionally and physically depleted, Penny entered a sanitarium in Battle Creek, Michigan. And as he lay on his bed one day, he heard a familiar hymn emanating from the chapel down the hall. It was an old gospel favorite titled, God Will Take Care of You. And you know what? That's exactly what Penny needed to hear. At this low point in his life, he didn't want to live like like an orphan. He wanted to know that somebody cared about him. You know, the doctors during that time, they they didn't expect Penny to live. They didn't expect him to ever leave that sanitarium. But Penny decided that he wasn't ready to give up. And and so he cried out to God for help. And the Lord heard his request. His depression lifted and he soon left that sanitarium. And once again, he built his fortune and established the company that we know today as J.C. Penny. And for decades, he gave away millions of dollars And he shared his faith in God with anybody who would listen to him. He died at the age of 95, still trusting that God would take care of him. And just as a matter of interest, a little side note here. In 1940, during a visit to one of his stores in Des Moines, Iowa, Penny trained a young employee how to wrap packages with a minimal amount of paper and ribbon. Saving money all along the way. The employee that he trained was a young man named Sam Walton. Yes, it was the same Sam Walton that went on to establish Walmart as the largest department store chain in the world. My friends, there is power in believing that you're not alone in the world. And this was a powerful promise that Christ made to his disciples. Though at the time, they couldn't see it. They could not imagine that in just a couple of days from these words being spoken, he would be crucified. They could not imagine that just three days after that, he would be resurrected from the grave. And they could not imagine that he would send his Holy Spirit upon them 50 days later on the day of Pentecost. They didn't understand the words that he was saying that that day. But everything he told them came true. And it's still true today, isn't it?
So if you're going through some difficult time in your life right now, take him at his word. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see see me anymore. But you will see me. Because I live. You also will live. What great news that is for each of us. For all of us. Who have ever felt like an orphan. Amen. Let's sing our closing hymn, God Will Take Care of You. (laughs) Go figure. (laughs) Let's sing all three verses of this hymn. And as we do, let's take hope in these words and take strength that God will indeed take care of you. seated for just one moment. We got a little business to take care of today uh, because we have someone who has requested membership in our church. Come on down here. This, come on down, Heather McCormick. Uh, we all know and love Heather. She's been kind of hanging around here a little bit lately and, and um, she has she has made herself a, a, a part of this family of faith. 
and she wants to make it official. And this is not an easy decision for her. She's been a lifelong Methodist, and uh, and this and this is this is hard for her. It's hard for somebody to to, to change <coughs> denominations. But she feels that she has led to this congregation uh, for many reasons, and 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 I think that we are so grateful for her, for the gifts that she has, for the person that she is. And we are, we are fortunate to have her as a part of our family of faith. And so please join me by raising your hand and saying amen. 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 Welcome her to this family of faith. Thank you, Heather. And we are so grateful for you. We're grateful for you and for offering our community a place like this church. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. I tell every person who joins this church that every member of this church, every participant in this church is a minister. All of us are. We are the family of God. We minister to one another. We minister outside of the doors of this church. And, um, and we take care of each other like God takes care of us. And so we look forward to ministry to you in the days ahead. And we look forward to your ministry towards us. And thank you for sharing your ministry with us. Let us stand for our benediction now. I know you'll want to come and speak with Heather and and, uh, and welcome her to our fellowship. And I'll ask you to join me down at the door. And they'll shake your hand and give you hugs. Let's pray together. Now may our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who loved us and through grace gave us eternal comfort and hope, Comfort your hearts and strengthen them in every good work and word. Blessed be our Heavenly Father who is always faithful to watch out for us and will never, ever leave us alone. Amen. Blessings. Blessings. Welcome. She got a hurry for her. Bye, Shirley. I got a key. What time do you want to meet?